today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We want the Lord to do what we want the Lord to do when we want the Lord to do it in the way that we want to do it. Lord, what are you waiting for? Lord, do this yesterday. And the Lord's like, no, my timing is perfect. I know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm doing. That's the problem, isn't it? By the way, parenthetically, let me say, it's a control thing. Oh, come on. We want to be in control. No, God's in control. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. God's timing is always on target, but we want things to happen in our time and on our terms. Jeremiah was no different than we are. He didn't understand why the wicked prospered while he suffered. It can be puzzling to understand. Pastor J.D.'s message today reminds us to wait patiently for the Lord and trust in His perfect timing. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 12 as he begins his message. Jeremiah chapter 12. Making our way through the Bible book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. (laughs) Taking our time, no hurry, no worry. So um, why don't we pray? We'll ask God to bless our time together in His Word, if you would please join with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much. And we take you for granted, Lord. We take your goodness for granted. You're so good, Lord. And you love us so much. Your love for us is just too high for our understanding. Lord, we want to devote, commit our time to you. We want to open our hearts to you. We want to give you our undivided attention. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to confess that this is yet another chapter that I've really been looking forward to. I know I say that about every chapter. But this one in particular, because of how it speaks to and deals with the trials of life, specifically as it relates to how the Lord always prepares us ahead of time for tougher trials that He knows are coming our way. And such is the case, as we're going to see with Jeremiah, who in the previous chapter, had just learned of a threat on his life. And if this weren't bad enough, he learned that it came from his people, his hometown of Anathoth, a priestly town. His hometown was a town where the priests were And they had now this plot, this plan. These priests were making a lot of money. And Jeremiah prophesying was bad for business. And it was hurting their bottom line. So they made it very clear to him in no uncertain terms that if he didn't stop prophesying, they were going to kill him. You stop doing what you're doing, or we're going to kill you. Stop the prophecies. It's bad for business. All the doom and gloom. 
So we come sliding into this chapter with Jeremiah doubtless devastated, hearing that his hometown, his own people, and it's actually going to even get worse, as we're going to see, now want to kill him and are threatening his life, and actually have hatched a plot, as they say, to do that very thing. Verse 1, Jeremiah, he's going to ask the Lord a couple of questions, but notice the preface, verse 1, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. In other words, Lord, I'm not questioning your righteousness, your fairness, your goodness, no. I'm not questioning you, but I am pleading with you. And he says, yet let me talk with you about your judgments. I'm not questioning. I just want to ask you about a couple of things here. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them, verse 2. Yes. In other words, instead of wiping them out, you've solidly grounded them and planted them. What's up with that? You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. And then he says this, you are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. Be patient with me, because what Jeremiah is asking God about is the very thing that Asaph had a crisis of faith over in Psalm 73 concerning the prosperity of the wicked. In other words, these people that now want to kill him were making money hand over fist, as the saying goes. And Jeremiah is having a really hard time with this, as did Asaph. How is it, Lord, why is it, Lord, that you let them, the wicked, get away with this? Now think about it. They're prospering. They're making a lot of money. And probably Jeremiah is living by faith, hand to mouth, again, as the saying goes. Trusting God day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. And Lord, again, I'm not questioning you. I just want to ask you, I want to plead my cause, my case, because this just does not make sense to me why it is that you're allowing them to get away with murder, literally. They want to murder me. Why do you let them continue to prosper? Why are they so happy when they deal so treacherously and murderously? Now God's going to basically do what He did for Asaph in Psalm 73, because he's struggling like Jeremiah is here with why it is that the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. Why is it, Lord? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't reconcile. It doesn't compute. It's not fair. I mean, these wicked people that are prospering are the very people that want to kill me. So what's God going to do, and how's God going to answer? We're going to take the scenic route to get to that answer. 
But in the end, it's going to be like in Psalm 73, which is the go-to Psalm for anyone who, like Jeremiah, struggles with this. And I don't think there's a one of us here that doesn't struggle with this. It's when Asaph goes into the sanctuary of the Lord, and the Lord allows him to see their end. And he goes from being envious of them to feeling sorry for them. Oh, Lord, you're going to have the final word in the end. Oh, now I get it. He's going to do that for Jeremiah, and rightfully so, but it's about to get even worse. Now, Jeremiah continues, but you, O Lord, know me. You have seen me, and you have tested my heart toward you. Now, this seems out of character, because he says to the Lord, of these wicked who are prospering, Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn, and the herbs of every field wither? The beasts and birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there, because they said, He will not see our final end. Jeremiah, I mean, this is the weeping prophet. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter? Where did that come from? Well, listen, in all fairness, you can't really blame him. All he's really asking God to do is expedite his judgment. He knows God's going to judge them, but it's almost like Jeremiah in his pleading with the Lord, asking of the Lord, is saying, Lord, why are you not doing it now? Oh, that's just like us, isn't it? We want the Lord to do what we want the Lord to do when we want the Lord to do it in the way that we want to do it. Lord, what are you waiting for? Lord, do this yesterday. And the Lord's like, no, my timing is perfect. I know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm doing. That's the problem, isn't it? By the way, parenthetically, let me say, it's a control thing. Oh, come on. We want to be in control. No, God's in control. I know what I'm doing. Well, God, what are you waiting for? You'll see. Just wait. You'll see. Don't you hate those words, especially as a kid, when your parents would say something like that to you? Just wait. You'll see. I don't want to wait. I want to see. No, you'll see. You'll see what I'm going to do. Now, verse 5, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this, because really, to me, this is the takeaway. This is God's response to Jeremiah. If you have run with the footmen, and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Please, please, Please don't see this as God rebuking Jeremiah, because he's not. This is not God saying, buck up, buttercup, toughen up, put your big boy pants on. No, that's the world. That's not the Lord. The Lord's not saying that. Well, if that's not what he's saying, what is he saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Jeremiah, listen, You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know my ways. You don't know the ways and the whys of God. 
I'm allowing the footmen to prepare you for the horsemen that I know are coming. So this is all a preparation for what's ahead. (laughs) Wait a minute, what's ahead? You mean it gets worse? Yeah. So I'm allowing the footmen to prepare you for the horsemen. God will always prepare us for that which is prepared for us. That's what he's doing here. Jeremiah, I know you're struggling. I know you're weary. I know you're confused even. I know you're having a difficult time, and I don't blame you. I mean, after all, these are your people from your hometown. You went to school with them. You graduated with them. They wrote in your yearbook. So I know you're hurting, Jeremiah, but I'm actually preparing you. And the footmen, the horsemen are coming. But when the horsemen do come, and they will come, you'll be ready because of the footmen. Now verse 6, hang on. This is crazy. The Lord continues now, and He's going to break this news to Jeremiah. It's even worse than you think, Jeremiah. For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called a multitude after you. No way. Wait a minute. Lord, you mean my family is the one that hatched this plot to kill me? Mom and dad? Yeah. Brothers and sisters? Yeah. My family? Yeah. Wait, they're the ones that got the priests that called the multitude to kill me? Yeah. That makes absolutely no sense at all, because I just talked to them the other day, and they were just so gracious and loving, and, hey, son, how you doing? Lord knows all about it, because he says, do not believe them, even though they speak, and here it is, smooth words to you. Jeremiah, I'm preparing you, I'm readying you, I'm steadying you. The footmen are there, not to weary you, but to prepare you. And I hate to break it to you, but this actually started with your your own family. Can you imagine how absolutely crushed Jeremiah must have been to hear this from the Lord? At the end of chapter 11, we read that, we don't know how, but the Lord told Jeremiah about this death threat, this threat on his life. And he kind of gave him a heads up, I guess he could say, that your people from Anathoth want to kill you. I just want to let you know. Have a nice evening. <laughs> it wasn't like that. I just want to give you a, a heads up. And then he goes into detail, and he says, now, don't worry, I'll take care of them, because vengeance is mine, and I will mete out just judgment. I just wanted to give you a heads up that there's a contract on your life, and it just so happens to be from your hometown. And now he's filling in the blanks and saying it is it actually started with your very own family. Verse 7, he goes on, and he says to Jeremiah, I have forsaken my house. 
I have left my heritage. I have given the dearly beloved of my soul, don't miss that, into the hand of her enemies. Oh, God loves his people. Verse 8, my heritage is to me like a lion in the forest. It cries out against me, therefore I have hated it. Wait, what? (laughs) God, you're likening your people to a lion in the forest. You created this roaring lion, and it roars at you? And notice what God doesn't say. He doesn't say, I hate them. He says, I hate it. Therefore, I have hated it. My heritage, verse 9, is to me like a speckled vulture. So now we're going to go from this lion that's roaring out against the very one who created him, to this odd duckling, this speckled vulture. The vultures all around are against her. Come, assemble all the beasts of the field, bring them to devour. In other words, I have made you now like that speckled vulture, that bird, odd bird, that everybody picks on, and I'm going to allow them to do that because of what you did. The Lord will never forsake us, but if we forsake Him, He will forsake us. God will never force Himself on His people. Well, God loves them, and He loves them so much, which is why He's going to have to discipline them and chastise them by delivering them into the hands of their enemies, the Babylonians when they'll be taken into captivity. God chastises those whom He loves. Don't despise it. Don't despise it when God chastises you. I mean, that's the evidence that you're His children, because you don't discipline other people's children, right? He chastises us because He loves us, and He's going to chastise His people. He's going to teach them a lesson. Verse 10 is very interesting. Now this is again the New King James. It renders it many rulers. But if you have a King James, it doesn't say rulers. It says pastors. Let's close in prayer right there. (laughs) Because what about the pastors, the rulers, the leaders, The shepherds, oh, they have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They, verse 11, have made it desolate. Desolate! Wait a minute, isn't that Why repetitive? Why redundant? Why twice? Oh, we're going to see it two more times, I think, maybe more. In the original language of the Hebrew Old Testament, you can't even begin to capture the intensity of what God is saying here. 
utterly desolate. You have devastated, desolated, decimated completely and utterly. And it mourns to me that which you've made desolate. The whole land is made desolate because no one takes it to heart. The plunders, verse 12, have come on all the, here it is again, desolate heights in the wilderness. And here's why. For the sword of the Lord shall devour from one end of the land to the other end of the land. No flesh shall have peace. They have sown wheat, verse 13, but reaped thorns. They have put themselves to pain, but do not profit. But be ashamed of your harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Verse 14, thus says the Lord, against all my evil neighbors who touch the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I will pluck them out of their land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. Then, verse 15, it shall be after I have plucked them out that I will return and have compassion on them and bring them back, everyone to his heritage, and everyone to his land. Stop right there. God of Himself says, I am compassionate, I am slow to anger, I am full of mercy. I know we've talked about it before, perhaps it would be appropriate to mention it in context of this chapter, but we have to, it is imperative. I think we do err greatly when we don't read a chapter and study a portion in God's Word like this through the lens of God's love. Because if you don't see God as a God of love, then this seems utterly cruel. For God to say this this way at this time, listen, after I've taught them my beloved a lesson and chastised them because I chastised those whom I love, I'm going to restore them because I'm a compassionate God. I was just inquiring of the Lord concerning His compassion for His people. And this is what I mean when I pray or say, Lord, I think we take the compassion that God has for us for granted. He's so full of compassion. He knows our rising up and our laying down. He knows everything. We don't have to tell Him what's going on. We do that, right? When we pray, Lord, Lord, and we kind of like apprise the Lord of what happened, and God's like, I'm all-knowing. I not only did I know that was going to happen, I actually allowed it to happen. So we're like, you know, informing God about what happened, and no, God knows. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.